Hey, good morning. Uh, it is great uh, to be with you again. And, you know, Monday, the 4th of July in town, for those of you who are here, wasn't that a great 4th of July? You, you know what makes this the greatest 4th of July celebration ever? Is that we know the people involved, you know? And as I was thinking of that, I thought, you know, I've never heard anyone describe their father or mother as boring, normal, like, person. I mean, if you're a little kid, you might describe them that way. But when you get to be an adult, you talk to adults about their parent. And their parent, they might have very good things to say. They might have very bad things to say. But everybody has an opinion about their parent. Why? Because they know them. And boy, in that 4th of July parade, seeing the guys that I know, and not all of them in this church, but many of them in this church, uh, from the VFW marching and saying, that guy's Korea. That guy's Vietnam, that guy's Gulf War, that guy, you know, that guy's Bosnia. And that, that, was, that, that just gave me chills and knowing some of their stories. And then seeing so many of you involved like with your little league. And, and for those who are watching online, anybody can be in the Montrose Parade, okay? <laughs> if you have a four-wheeler, a tractor, or side-by-side, you know, -side, yeah, like, like there's, there's, they're just driving, you know, and you're like, I, I don't even know who, you know, what that's about. But, or you can bring your, some of you brought your Little League team or 4-H or the Dairy Princesses were there and, and just all these different, and I'm forgetting groups, but, you know, the band. So there's, yeah, there's our band, but no, then there's the Montrose Marching Band, and then there's the Montrose Reunion Band, and then there's the Elk Lake Band. Sometimes we overlook Elk Lake, and I hear about it, and I'm still waiting for my Elk Lake shirt so I could wear it up here. But um, anyway, and, and, just, and then the race, the race at 8 o'clock, the 5K and the 10K and the fun run, and we had you know, 15 to 20 different people on the bikes or on the, on the, the different spots directing traffic for that, and, and kids selling water, and, and it, just, it just was really great. And it just reminds me of the purpose of our church. Okay, our church, we get together once a week so that we can encourage each other and remind each other of our mission to love people, to bring them the truth of Jesus Christ so that we can go out and do that the rest of the week. Right? And, and I saw that on the 4th of July. The, our, our, if there was any doubt, our float won first place. So... In fact, we, we've won first so many times, we've actually asked them not to judge us anymore and give someone a chance. So, um, but it was, just, it, it was just a great day. So I just appreciate all of you and all that you did. And July 31st, don't just go to church Sunday, is going to be another day like that. And so sign up, um, find projects in your community, uh, people who need some help, maybe they're they have, uh, uh, their parent died and they need to clean out their house uh, or, or whatever it is, um, just, just brainstorm about that and help July 31st to be just another day like that where, so there's a, a friend of mine who's not from our church and he was running in the 10K and after he finished, he came over to the water table and we got our orange shirts on, Joel Kessler and myself and and, you know, handing out, and some random guy who showed up from, from Wilkes-Barre, he was, he was helping us too, and that was awesome. We didn't have a shirt for him, but, you know, and th so this man comes up, and he's like, your church is everywhere. <laughs> he's like, I saw him there. He, they, there's even a, a girl from your church who ran with me part of the way. 
and I heard that some, someone was, she was directing traffic, but she just decided, this guy's actually in last place. <laughs> like, he needs encouragement. She jogged with him a little ways. And so I just, just appreciate so many of you and, and all that you're doing, and just keep, keep doing it. In fact, this is, we're talking about Nehemiah, and this is how Nehemiah had such an incredible impact on the Jewish nation. And it was because before he, he had this spiritual impact with Ezra and, and others, he had this physical impact where he's, he looked at the community and said, what does this community need? We need a wall. And so he gathered together thousands probably of Jews who, who built a wall about as wide as the stage, 22 feet wide, 25 feet high, as high as the peak of this building, and four and a half miles long rebuilt a wall like that in 52 days. And then he looked at the community and says, what do we need? We have people who are slaves. And so he spent his own money and he, he inspired other people to spend their own money and they were buying them out of slavery. And then he confronted the, the Jews who were selling their own people as slaves. And he says, you can't do this anymore. And they were shamed into saying, oh, you're, you're, you're right. We need to stop doing this. And, and so he looked at the community. What what is needed? What is, how can I love these people? How can I help these people? And so when it came time in, in Nehemiah chapter 8 to, to, to bring about a spiritual change of direction, people would follow Nehemiah and Ezra and the others who were there with him. And so we need to do that as well. Our integrity and in what we do at work and in how we are neighbors and in all those things, this, this, is, this lays a foundation to open people's hearts and minds and ears to what God wants for them. And so I'm going to read. Last week we talked about how they needed the word of God. And so for six hours they read and explained the Bible from 6 a.m. to noon. And when they heard the Bible, many of them for the first time, they, they started to weep and cry. And they were like, we had no idea that this is how God wanted us to live. We have not been doing that at all. We have been living the wrong way. No wonder. We thought we were just unlucky. But no, this is the judgment of God. This is the judgment of sin. These are the consequences of sin that we've been living in. And we didn't even know. And now we want to do what's right. And they said, this is a day of rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and it was a great time of both weeping and celebration. And so this is, comes after that. On the 24th day of the same month, they're in this week-long holiday of the Feast of uh, the Tabernacles. The Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. And those of the Israelites' descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. That's something the Bible commanded the Jews to do in the Old Testament. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors and they stood where they were and read from the book of the law, their, the, law, the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. That's three hours. They listened to God's word and had it explained again. And then they spent another quarter, another three hours in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. And so today we're going to talk about that second half. Last week we talked about the importance of the Bible in our lives and if this is the only time you hear the Bible, you think about the Bible, you, have the, you read the Bible, you, you are not going to follow Jesus Christ effectively at all. You, you need this. I think you need it every day. 
And, and whether it's reading chapters or whether it's just one verse that you rehearse every morning and try to memorize and you think about what it means, we need the Word of God. And so last week we had, and they're still at the Welcome Center, they're just not on top, but we had little devotional things that you can do, Bible reading guides, 30-day Bible, re- Bible reading guide for the, the realistic people, 365-day reading guide for those who are like, yeah, you know, I can commit to that. Um, but they started with the Word of God, and now we're going to talk about the second part of what our nation needs, what our community needs, what our church needs, and that is to become men and women of prayer. Three out of four Americans say that America is headed in the wrong direction morally. And the answer to that is not a political answer. It's not an economic answer. It's not even an educational answer. The answer to that is turning people to Jesus. And that means God's word. And that means prayer. And so for three hours every day during this this week-long feast and festival that they were having, they spent time praying. And one of the ways they prayed that we often don't think of as praying is something that we just did, singing. You can sing. Some of the songs we sing are like encouraging songs. We talk about, hey, we need to do this, or I'm telling you about how great. But others of them are praying songs, and they're saying, God, you are awesome. God, you, you, know, you, you did all these things, and God, I, I want to follow you. And so that, that's what they did. And so I want to talk about the whole, almost all of the rest of the chapter is, is a prayer in chapter 9. And um, there were, there's two aspects to this prayer that, that I want to focus on here. And one is that they prayed backwards. And by, what I mean by that is they looked back and, and prayed about things that had happened in the past. And one of the first things they pray about is that happened in the past is, is prayers of praise. What has God done in the past? We have terrible memories as human beings about the good stuff. We have incredible memories about the bad stuff. <laughs> and we don't need to rehearse that. But, but, but we need to rehearse the good stuff of, of what God has done. And, and how he's come through for us. In fact, it's good to write things like this down. And some, some of you have like a blessing box that you put little mementos to remember God's goodness in. Or, or I have, I have a, a notebook where every year I summarize. So I'm not good at journaling, but I've committed that. I could, I could journal one paragraph a year. You know, I could do that. That's my speed. And I don't have like special paper or a leather bound, you know, because I'd lose it. So I just write it on the computer or on like a nine and a, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And I just, one paragraph, what, what happened this year? And sometimes it's more than that, but, but we, we need to do that. And that's what they were doing. They look back and they, first of all, they, they praise God for the creation. Blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens and their starry host the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. I have a theory that it is easier, just slightly easier, for people in rural areas like here in Montrose to follow God than people in cities. And it's because when I wake up in the morning and I look outside, I don't see concrete and steel and glass and asphalt, and the work of man's hands. 
When I wake up and I look outside, I see trees and hills and birds and animals. And if it's deer, we send, if it's the woodchuck, we send Daniel out to bark like a dog <laughs> and chase it away from our garden. We didn't tell him to bark like a dog. He just decided to do that. Um, but, you know, but that, that's, what we, that's what we see, right? And, and you know, I was here uh, just a couple years ago. It was winter, and we looked out, and I saw a fisher bounding through the snow up the hill over there. And they're like a tiny wolverine, you know, or an enormous mink, <laughs> you know. And, and just, just the beauty of the colors in the fall. And, man, you look at creation, and you think, God is so big and powerful. And you say, God is so smart to design it, and God is so generous, right? There's so many things in nature that are generous. The plants, I mean, the berries and the apples and the, and the, and the produce that the, the world, that, that the wild even creates all by itself. It's, it's so amazing. And so we need to praise God for who he is and, and, and make that a part of, of your prayer time. Um, in fact, I... When I first started years ago attending, there's a Wednesday night prayer meeting at the old church building from 6 to 7 a.m. If you want to talk, you got to get there at like 5.45 a.m. A.m. Yeah, those guys are early guys. And one of the things I noticed at the very beginning, I, I noticed, you know what? These men, they always begin with praise. They always begin with thanking God, and then they get into requests and things. And almost every prayer in the Bible is patterned that way, including this one. They start with reminding themselves. They look back, and they say, who is God? What has he done? In fact, then they start to rehearse um, the history of God's works in, in, in Israel and what God did and also then what they did. And, and before we get to that, I just want to, one of the things that we are not good at as Americans is history. The Americans are terrible at history. And even worse than that, we're even worse at history from a God perspective. And so, you know, they went back and they were thanking God for, they started with Abraham, which would have been for them at that time, Abraham was 1,600 years previous. You know, just, just huge amount of time. And so I couldn't think of anything that happened 1,600 years ago So, because my history is terrible also. Um, so I just fast forward, and I just want to just, just help us to remember what God has done for us through the past and in history. And in, 13, in the 1380s, there's a man by the name of John Wycliffe. He's a Roman Catholic priest. And he decided, you know what? You know what God wants me to do? And you know what our, this world needs? They need the Bible in their own language. And so he got a team of people together to translate the Bible into this pagan language called English. And nobody who spoke English had ever had the Bible in their language. You had to learn Latin. You had to, you had to be, you know, this upper crust of in, in, intelligence and and, and education and normal people did not have the Bible in their language, would not understand it. And so he got this team of people together and they translated the Bible. And then 60 years after that, 50 to 60 years after that, there's a man by the name of Johann Gutenberg and invented a printing press. 
What a coincidence at just the time when there was a movement of people to get the Bible into people's hands that God allowed this broke mechanic to figure out how he can print masses of, of, of books in mass. And guess what the first book he, he printed was? It was the Bible into German, the language of the people there. And, and then in the, the 1500s, William Tyndale risked his life and many others as well, taking printed Bibles from the continent of Europe out to this, this dark continent, this dark island called England and Great Britain, and they were smuggling Bibles by the thousands in English until he was caught and executed in, in, in 1536. What was he executed for? For giving people's Bibles in English. And as he was tied to the stake, he was actually strangled and then burned his body after he died. But before he was strangled, being tied to the stake, he shouted out his last prayer, God, change the heart of the King of England. And 75 years later, the King of England, different king, a wicked king by the name of James, terrible man, decided that he would get a group of scholars together to translate the Bible into English, and it's called the King James Version of the Bible. And God answered the prayer of William Tyndale 75 years later to change the heart of, of the king and allow for the Bible to be printed and, and distributed in mass to the English-speaking people. And you know, I just praise God for how He has been able to give us the Bible in a language we understand. You know, I praise God that in 1780, Pennsylvania became the first state in America to outlaw slavery, 80 years before the Civil War. And I praise God that in the 18... 50s and 60s that Abraham Lincoln was elected our president. What would have happened if he wasn't? You know, and I, and I, and I praise God for, for the, the, the mission um, work that happened between 1850 and 1950 in Great Britain and in America. There was this passion to bring the gospel to Asia, to South America, to Africa. And because of that work from 1850 to 1950, there is now more believers in Asia and Africa and South America than they are in America or Europe put together. And, and I praise God for how he did that and how he moved in those people's lives. I praise God that the Nazis did not win World War II. I praise God that the communist Russia did not win the Cold War. Right? And you think about all that has happened. I praise God that in the 1960s, there was a woman by the name of Nancy Haynes who went in Johnson City, New York to a nursing school, and she just so happened to have a Christian nurse that became her friend and led her to Christ because that's my mother. And I praise God that she accepted Christ as her Savior in nursing school and that she just so happened that their nursing dorm was right across the street from a church that taught God's word, First Baptist Church of Johnson City. And she said, actually, my parents said, would have said that they were Methodists, even though they, we never really went to church at all. But the Methodist church was right past the Baptist church, and I was too lazy to walk an extra block. And so I went to this church, and I learned all about God's Word. And, 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 and so, you know, you just, we need to take time to rehearse the good things God has done long ago. In fact, a lot of the songs we sing 
you, you took me out of Egypt. Out of Egypt is a song we sing, and it, and it just rehearses some of the Old Testament and, and what God did in Egypt and, and, and bringing them out and the promised land and all of that. And we need to praise God for the long ago stuff. We need to praise God for the, the, the centuries ago stuff, and we need to praise God for what he did yesterday. And, and that is an important part of prayer. And then the other thing, when we pray backwards, it's not just praise of God, but we also need to accurately view who we are and what we've done and remember that too. Not to wallow in, you know, our sin and brokenness, but again, to repent of it and to embrace God's forgiveness and grace in our lives. And so when we pray backward, we also need to remember what we've done. And they stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. It, it is important that a lot of people point to things like this and they say there, there needs to be a national repentance. And we need to repent as a nation of things that we have done as a nation. And that's really true. But repentance is something that is personal. And it can be a group as long as it's also personal. And I say that in this way. It, we should condemn the sins of our ancestors that we don't do, but we can't repent of the sins of our ancestors that we don't do. And, and here's an example, slavery. If, if I stand up here and I, I repent of the sin of slavery in America, that means I had a part in it. I've enslaved some people. And I'm saying I'm turning, my, I'm, I'm turning away from that. Now, I can stand up here and I can condemn the sin of slavery. And this is important because many times when people talk about national repentance, what they mean is I get to stand up and condemn everybody else who's awful. And I'm going to stand up and I'm going to condemn the rich people, you know, and all their greed and all that. And, and this is national repentance. We need to nationally repent. And I'm going to condemn the people who politically think differently than me and are for this policy or that law that's wrong and unjust. and um, that, That's not repentance. We do need to stand up and condemn sin. That's true, but it's not repentance. Repentance is, I have sinned. Repentance is, we have sinned. Repentance is not, you've sinned and you better fix it. You know, and, and that's, not, that, that's what confession is. Confession is, I have sinned. We have sinned. And that's what they were doing. They were saying, man, the sins of their ancestors, man, our ancestors, they worshiped idols, and you know what? So did I. And our ancestors, they were greedy, and they were, you know what? And so was I. And, and this, this repentance and confession and all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully while we acted wickedly because of our sins, not just their sins or his sins or her sins, but our sins. It's abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. The Jews of this time period were impoverished. Most of them were incredibly poor. And they're saying, we, God, we are in a bad way. And it's our fault. And we're, we're going to change. And so that's where we need to pray forward. In fact, that, that request that I just read, that, that was as close as they get to a request in, in, in all these verses. They really don't ask for anything. We do need to ask God to change us in our circumstances. But in Nehemiah 9, it's not, it's, 
if, if they pray for one thing, they pray, God, bless us with obedience. That's what they're praying. They're saying, we are in great distress because we have disobeyed you, God. Help us. Don't just change our circumstances. Change us. Because you, we know if you change us, that's what's most important. And everything will flow from that. So change us and our circumstances. Therefore, God, the great God, the mighty and awesome who keeps his covenant of love, do not let all this hardship seem trifling in your eyes. They're like, God, see it. This is a big deal, what we're going through. The hardship that has come on us, our kings and leaders, our priests and prophets, our ancestors, and all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until today. And then again, this, this verse, we are in great distress. God, come to our aid. I think this is the part of prayer that we don't struggle with. At least me personally, I'm really good at asking God for stuff. I have talked to a few people that they just don't feel like, they're like, well, I just don't feel like I can ask God for something because I'm not deserving of it. Of course you're not deserving of it. Like, and if you're going to wait till you're deserving of it, you're never going to ask God for anything, and that's disobedience and that's pride. And that's wrong. We need to recognize our inability to fix our problems and go to God with that and say, God, please heal this person. God, please help me to do what's right. God, set this individual free from, from the sin that's got a hold of their life. God, save this individual over there. And, and just to, to, to recognize that we, we need him. That's, that's what prayer is. It's a recognition of our inability to change things and of God's ability to change what needs to happen. So the result of the, chair, the prayer was changed, and we're going to talk about this more next week. This is in chapter 9, so a lot of people think it's, it's part of the prayer. Other people, uh, you know, make a new paragraph break and heading and try to shove it into chapter 10. Um, in view of all this, we are making a binding agreement. I feel like they're saying this to God. God, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are fixing their seals to it. This is not a deal with God. They're not saying, okay, God, we're going to do this if you do that. No, they're saying just, this is just one way, God. We know who you are. We know who we are. We know what we've done. We know what you've done. We know you're righteous. We know we're not. And we are, we are going to make a commitment today to follow you. And that is also an important part of prayer. To, to promise God and to talk to God about the commitment that we need to make going forward. It's part of repentance. It's confessing your sins in the past, saying, I'm sorry I, I, for doing that. Please forgive me. But then it's, it's this commitment, and I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm going to be different. There's a man just this week that um, I, I help hold accountable, and he texted and said, I, I went back into this addictive sin, and I did it again. But then he took, he took an autopsy of that. And he realized, you know what, I did this one thing that many of us do every week. And there's nothing wrong with doing this one thing. 
But for him, doing this thing led to his sin. And he said, you know, I just can't do this. I just have to cut this out of my life too because it leads to this sin. And that's how I fell. I did the postmortem. I did the autopsy on how I fell back into this sin and this addiction. And, and this was the stepping stone to it. So I'm getting rid of that stepping stone. And, and, and this is a healthy thing to do, to, to think back and, and confess your sin and then to say, how do I live different going forward? And then to ask God, God, help me to do that. And then to ask others. They're, making, they're not just saying, this is between me and God. No, they're saying, we're, we're all going to help each other do this. There's a bunch of things that need to be different going forward. And we're going to hold each other accountable. And we're going to write this down. And we're going to put our seals on it because that was their kind of way of signatures. And, and, and we're, we're going to do this. I just want to encourage you as we close, to, to, to be people of prayer. And um, we have uh, the day of prayer sign up at the Welcome Center. If you're online, you can sign up in the chat or you can go to bewater.church slash prayer. Not hard to remember. Bridgewater, not bewater. Bridgewater.church slash prayer. And uh, so here's the thing. People, every year when we do the day of prayer, people say, that's great that you're doing the day of prayer in the cafe room, you know, all day, except for that one hour when financial peace is in there, and then we're in the Nada kitchen. But, you know, so day of prayer starts midnight Sunday morning, next Sunday. Midnight Sunday morning, next Sunday, starts the day of prayer, and it'll go to midnight Sunday night. Um, and a lot of people ask, well, that's great. Can I, can I sign up and pray at home? And I would say, Absolutely, you can pray at home 365 days of the year, but that's not what this is, okay? You can do that anytime. We need to come together to pray. They did that here in Nehemiah 9 for three hours. And I, I, if, if all of you pray for three hours, I will be thrilled. I don't know if I'll even pray for three hours, okay? But sign up for at least a half-hour block, a half-hour block to get in there and pray and maybe Maybe you say you can't. So here's two reasons why we're doing this. Um, besides the fact that prayer is important and God commands it, all right? Two of the reasons. Number one, some of you here have an incredibly powerful prayer life, and other people need to hear you pray so that they can learn how to pray. The disciples did this with Jesus. They said, Jesus, you go away and pray all the time. What are you doing? What are you saying? How do you do that? Teach us to pray. And how did he teach them? He prayed. He prayed in front of them and with them. And some of you here, you need to be in there so that you can teach others how to pray. And then others of you, you need to be there so you can learn how to pray. You're not going to learn how to pray by listening to a sermon on prayer. You'll learn very little from this. You'll learn a ton from listening to other people pray. And this is why, even though it's 24 hours, I would rather, if you're going to pray, invite someone to pray with you. I would rather there be 15 people here at noon praying all together than to have one person praying from 12 to 12.30, one person praying from 12.30 to 1 a.m., one person praying from 1 to 1.30. The goal is not, when I first started out, when we first started doing this over 15 years ago, like my goal was like, we got to cover every hour so we can say we prayed for 24 hours straight as a church you know and since then i realized who cares 
Who cares whether it's 24 hours straight? The goal of this is that we pray together. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There is something, God hears us when we pray alone, but there is something special about praying together. And so sign up today, okay? It's next Sunday. Because the quicker you sign up, the more someone else will say, oh, Heather's praying then. I know Heather. She's not scary. I'll pray with her, right? If you sign up your name ahead of time and, and invite others, invite your whole small group to come. You're not part of a small group. Like, just invite friends. If you don't have friends, get some. Yeah, ask me. I'll introduce you to some people. You know, Sam, here's, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, just... Be a part of that. It's important. Um, want to close the service. If, if you did not, if you want to partake of communion and you did not get uh, a little cup in the back, I just want, there's some men, I think there's some individuals um, that have some, so raise your hand and they'll just hand it to you um, as we go with this. What I want to do to close out the service is uh, I, I want us to take some time to pray these two kinds of prayers praying the past, in particular confession, but also thanksgiving, praying the past and saying, God, this happened this week, and uh, I'm sorry. And then, and then praying forward, God, it just, and praying, thank, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for me. This doesn't literally become his blood or, or his body. This reminds us of how he died once for all, for us and how he gave his life so that we could have life eternal. This doesn't save us. This reminds us of the sacrifice he made that if we accept and if we give him our lives that we can have life with him forever for eternity. And uh, so if you get the, the bread out, it says in, in Matthew... chapter 26, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he gave it thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. You know what, before we do this, let's, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I just, as I think of the past, I just want to spend some time in praise and thanksgiving for you. And uh, God, I just thank you for your creation, for, for all you did in Israel in the Old Testament, but Lord, we we thank you most of all for Jesus Christ being born in a, in a stable, in a humble way, living such a humble life, and then dying a humiliating, torturous death for us. God, I just thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your grace giving us what we don't deserve. I thank you for your mercy withholding your punishment on us. I thank you for Jesus and for his death for us, and for his resurrection. Amen. Jesus said, take this and eat. This is my body. It says, then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink this in remembrance of Jesus Christ.
Heavenly Father, we, th we think of all that you've done, but God, we're also reminded of what we've done. And God, we want to take this time to confess our sins to you. Lord, to, to just, in a few moments, quietly, all of us will have a chance to do that quietly. But right now, Lord, I just ask that you'd forgive me for just being selfish, for being so self-reliant and self-focused. I think we can all confess to that at times, trying to make my life about me and what I want and, and ignoring others in need and going off into my own little world and being about me. Lord, help, help my life not to be about me. Help it to be about you. Help it to be about others. And Lord, just in the next 60 seconds, Lord, just bring to mind our sin, not, not so that we would be overwhelmed by it, but so that we can get rid of it and nail it to the cross and to Jesus Christ to pay, to pay for our sins. all stuff.